You know, but here in America, Memorial Weekend is often usually the unofficial start of the summer holiday season for many people. It is also one of the busiest travel weekends of the year, ranking behind Christmas, behind New Year, Thanksgiving, and the 4th of July. It is estimated that on an annual basis during this time, during Memorial Weekend, it is estimated that over 40 plus million people usually travel during this weekend. It is a time for us to visit with our families, with our friends. It is time for us to gather our children, to bring them to the park, to have all these family gatherings. It is time in which we get so busy with all these barbecues and all these events and things like that. And as busy as it often gets for us during this weekend, one of the things that we often forget is we often forget what this day is for. One thing that we often forget is we often forget what this weekend is for. And so that's why I believe that this year, despite this pandemic that we're going through, I believe that this year is a good year for us. And it is a good year for us because we are slowed down by this virus. And so we, we have this chance, this opportunity to stay home to just stay home and to just kind of reflect on what this weekend is all about. To reflect upon what Memorial Day is all about. To reflect on all those people, all those people that paid the ultimate price, that gave the ultimate sacrifice for our nation, for our kingdom, I mean for, for our nation, for our country, for our people. And today, Today we remember them. Today we remember all of them. We remember the 500 to 600,000 people and soldiers who gave their lives during the Civil War. We remember the 40,000 plus soldiers who lost their lives during World War II. The 115,000 plus soldiers who lost their lives during World War One. The 90,000 or so who lost their lives during the Vietnam War. The 55,000 plus who lost their lives during the Korean War. Today we also remember the 30,000 plus Hmong men and women who lost their lives during the Vietnam War fighting on behalf of the United States of America and what is known as the Secret War of Indochina. And we also remember many, many more people who lost their lives during the wars on behalf of our wonderful country, on behalf of the United States of America. But today, I, I also want us to remember more than just these people. I also want us to come together and let us not forget those men and women of other countries and other nations who has died or who has lost their lives in wars throughout the 20th century. The 20th century is known as one of the bloodiest century in human history because of the wars that we engaged in. It is estimated that at least 108 million people, and that is on the conservative side, it is estimated that at least 108 million people died in the 20th century due to these wars. Many, 
many people believe there's much, much more than that. But that is on the low end. And today, I'm not sure what to say about these brave men and women. I'm not totally sure what to say about these people who lost their lives. Because I don't see how any speech made today can ever truly measure up to the sacrifices and the sufferings that these people went through. And the sacrifices that many of our people have given to us. Many of our military people have given to us throughout the history of our country. But perhaps, and I want to emphasize on that word, perhaps. Perhaps the only way for us to truly remember them. Perhaps the only way for us to truly remember them. Is to live our lives in a way. In a way that will celebrate them. Perhaps the only way for us to remember them is to follow in their footsteps and to offer up our own lives in the way that they also offered up their own lives. And so what I want to do today and what I want to do here is I want us to take a look at the life of Stephen. And I believe that by taking a look at the life of Stephen in the scriptures, I think there's many things that we'll be able to learn from Stephen. And many things, the things that we are able to learn from Stephen, I believe we can take these things and we can apply it to our lives to live in a way that will bring glory to our men and women who gave up their lives for us. To give glory to those who suffered through wars and lost their lives. And so if we look into the scriptures, we, re- we notice this, that we are introduced to Stephen in Acts chapter 6 verse 5 and it is during this time that the early church was growing and they were growing and so there were issues between the two groups or the two factions that were within the church at that time and these two factions one of them were the the Hebraic Jews the other were the Hellenistic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews were not very happy with the situation at that time because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food and that's how they felt and so they brought this complaint up before the church and the apostles at that time gathered all the disciples together to to decide how are they going to go about to dealing with this issue to dealing with this complaint to ensure that all the widows were getting enough food And so as the apostles gather all the disciples together and the Christians together in that first century, what they decided upon doing was they decided to choose seven people who would be responsible for this task and who would be responsible responsible for these types of ministries. And Stephen, Stephen was one of the disciples that was chosen for this task. And we see in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we see that the scriptures um, that the scriptures describe Stephen, describe Stephen as a man full of faith, and as a man who is full of the Holy Spirit. Now we don't know much about Stephen's background. We don't know if he has a wife, we don't know if he has children. I believe these things are not important to us because God did not reveal them to us. 
But what we do know are the things that God has decided to reveal to us. And God revealed to us that Stephen was a man that was just full of faith and was full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6 verse 8, the scriptures describe Stephen as a man full of God's grace and power who performed great wonders and signs among the people. In the latter part of Acts chapter 6 and all of Acts 7, it tells us the story tells us the story of the conflict between Stephen and some of the Jewish people from the synagogue. And so when these Jewish people were not able to defeat Stephen's arguments about the faith, they accused him of being blasphemous against God and being blasphemous against Moses. And so they brought Stephen before the religious leaders of the time. They brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin at that time. And so from Acts chapter 7 verse 2 to Acts chapter 7 verse 53, we can read Stephen's sermon as he spoke before the Sanhedrin, as he gave his testimony before the Sanhedrin. Now it was a tremendous testimony, and it was a summary of the entire Old Testament made into a few verses from the time of Abraham all the way to the time of Jesus Christ. And upon hearing Stephen's testimony, upon hearing Stephen's sermon, the Sanhedrin became furious with Stephen. And the word of God tells us that they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him to death. And so Stephen, after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Stephen became the first Christian martyr. He was the first Christian that was killed for his, his faith, for the Christian faith and yet and yet in this tragedy in this suffering of Stephen and this and the loss of Stephen's life and the death of Stephen we are also introduced to a young man a young man by the name of Saul who would later become the Apostle Paul and so what what is it that can we, what can we learn from the life and from the death of Stephen? Well, there's a few things that I believe we can learn from Stephen. The first thing that, that we can learn from Stephen is this. We can learn from Stephen that our life, and that in our life, we must find a purpose for our life. We must know that purpose. And not only that, not only must we find a purpose and know a purpose, but we must also pursue that purpose with all that we have, regardless of how difficult it may be. Stephen, he knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. He was very clear on what his purpose is and what his purpose was. He understood the task that the church gave him. He understood that this task did not only come from men, but that this task was a task that came from God himself. And Stephen performed his task tremendously. He performed his task faithfully. He lived and he died for this task. He lived and he died for his duty. He lived and he died for the purpose that God created him for. In Acts chapter 6 verse 6, it says, the scripture says that they presented these men and these men, it includes Stephen in it. So they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. This was the commissioning of Stephen. 
and these six people to take upon this task that they were chosen to do. And so, so Stephen took that task. Stephen took that calling. He took that duty that God gave him so seriously that he was willing to do it. He was willing to attend. He was willing to serve in that context. No matter how difficult, no matter how difficult it was, to the point in which he lost his life by serving his Lord. He lost his life by living out his purpose. He lost his life by proclaiming the gospel of his Lord Jesus Christ. And many of us as Christians, we are also given a calling. We're also given a calling to live out our lives for our Lord Jesus Christ, to live out our lives, to glorify no one else except God himself. As a pastor and as pastors, one of the things that we, one of the things that we are called to do, and one of the things that we take an oath to do, is to uphold the word of God. To, up, to uphold the word of God, to teach the word of God as it is written, and that is, as it is revealed by God himself. Sometimes it's difficult for us to do, especially in this day and age. And sometimes some pastors, many pastors actually struggle with this. Because there are things in the Bible that is not politically correct for our time, for our age. There are things in the Bible that many times we are told we cannot preach. Either by those who are above us or by those who are within the church. I remember a pastor, a pastor telling me that it was so difficult for him to pastor and to serve his church because his church would tell him what he can and cannot preach from the scripture. And so he had only two choices, either to do as they say and keep his job or to do as what God says and lose his job. And it became difficult, difficult for them. You know, many times, many times when these things like this happens, when we're given these ultimatums by people, it makes it difficult for pastors to often do the job that they have taken an oath or that they have sworn to do, to teach the entirety of the scriptures. And that's what God calls us to do. God calls us to teach and to reflect on the entirety of scriptures. Not only certain parts, not only parts that we feel comfortable with, not only parts that are politically correct, but we are to teach the entire scripture, regardless if people listen to it or they don't listen to it, regardless if people agree with it or they don't agree with it, regardless if people believe in it or don't believe in it. And so it's a challenge for many pastors in this day and age to really uphold the Word of God, to live out this calling, to live out the purpose in which God has called them to live out. And yet, and yet, I want to encourage us. 
regardless if you are a pastor, regardless if you're a leader in the church, regardless if you're a Christian, a member of the church, I want to encourage us to live out the faith. To live out the faith, to live out the purpose that God has called us to do, regardless of how difficult it may be. That's how Stephen lived his life. That's how many of our many of our soldiers, many of our military personnel, that's how they lived out their lives. They were called, they were called to put their lives on the line. And when they got out there, and when the bullets start flying, they didn't take the easy way out. They didn't turn back and say, you know what, this is too difficult. I'm not going to, to do my duty. I'm not going to fulfill the purpose of which I have been called to, to do. They did not turn back, but they went ahead. They forged ahead, making sure, making sure that they fulfilled the purpose that they were called for. And many of them lost their lives. Many of them lost their lives because of it, because they took this calling. They understood their purpose in life, and they took their calling seriously. And that's what we must do as Christians. That, that's what we must do, is we must take our calling seriously. And we must live out that purpose, the purpose of our calling. Regardless, regardless, if we may lose our job. Regardless, if we are no longer wanted. Regardless of what other people may say to us. We must live out that calling. We must take that calling seriously. We must not look for the easy way out. Oftentimes that's what we do. Oftentimes when it gets tough, then we look for the easy way out. Many times when it gets tough and people tell us that you can only preach up to a certain part of the Bible and you can't preach this other part anymore, we'll say, okay, as long as you allow me to keep my job, I will do that. But that is not the calling that God has given to us. God did not call us to only preach bits and pieces of the scripture. God did not call us to only teach bits and pieces of the Bible. God called us. God called us to teach the entirety of the scripture. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to understand our purpose. For those who have found their purpose in life, they're able to make that decision as to how they're going to live that out. But sometimes it's hard for us to understand that purpose. Sometimes it's hard for us to even know what our calling is. And one of the things that I want to encourage those of you who don't know what your purpose is, who don't know the, about the meaning of your life, I want to encourage you that your purpose can be found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other belief system out there. There is no other religion out there that can speak to you and can give you a greater meaning to the purpose of your life than the Christian faith. I've talked to you many times about my life. Talk to you many times. I've given testimonies many times about my life. You know, how I was born into a Christian family. But I never came to the Christian faith until, <clears throat> until my 20s. 
I never understood Christ. I never accepted Jesus Christ into my life until at least I was about 23, 24 years old, somewhere around that time. And it changed my life totally. As I look back on my life, everything about my life before I knew Christ, I realized that it had no direction. I had no direction. But my life was totally, totally turned around when I discovered Jesus Christ in my life. And so it is in Christ, for those of you who don't know your purpose, for those of you who are struggling with the meaning of life, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ. That it is in Him that you will find that meaning. When we look at the scriptures, or when we look at all these ancient religious uh, religions, we see one thing. We see that the idea of, of a monotheistic God, or the idea of believing in one God, is not unique. It is not unique to Judaism. It's not unique to Christianity. There are many, many ancient religions that believes in one God. So it's not something that is unique to Judaism. But there is one thing, you see, there is one thing in all of this that is absolutely unique to Christianity, that is absolutely unique to Judaism. And so even though there are other religions out there, other ancient religions and other ancient belief systems out there that believe in one God, it is only in the Christian faith that teaches, that teaches, it is only in the Judeo-Christian faith that teaches that you and I, men and women, male and female, were created in the image of God. No other religion out there, no other belief system is out there. And, and I know so many times we, 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 don't, we don't read the Bible as much. We don't study the Bible as much anymore. We're biblically illiterate now, you know, in our generation, our society. And so sometimes we often accuse the Bible of, being, of having this patriarch idea. But, but we have to realize, we have to realize, brothers and sisters, that no other belief system out there, no other belief system out there believes that men and women, you see, men and women were created in the image of God. It is only in the Judeo-Christian faith that teaches that. And other religions and other belief system and other ancient belief system, even though they may believe that there is only one God, in their belief, the one that is created in the image of God, the one that carries the image of God, is only the king, is only the ruler of that time. Whoever is the ruler of the people at that time, that person has the image of God. No one else does. No one else does. No one else has the image of God in them. And so in the Christian faith, in the Christian faith, it is unique. It is unique. And it is different. It is different that it believes and it teaches that everybody, you and I, we don't have to be kings. 
We don't have to be rulers of nations. We don't have to be prince or princess. We don't have to hold all these high titles in society. We are all created in the image of God. And like I said before, the Bible does not only say male or men are created in the image of God, but it says male and female created in the image of God. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. That's the uniqueness of the Christian faith. And so when we come into the Christian faith, we realize that God sees us. That God sees us as someone that carries His image within us. And He sees us as someone who is essential to His kingdom, regardless of where we may come from, regardless of our background, regardless if we hold a certain title or a certain position in society or not. Regardless if we are the highest person ranked in society or we're the lowest person ranked in society. God sees value in you and I. And it is in that value, in that image of God in which he created us with. It is in that image that he reveals to us the purpose of life. That he reveals to us the meaning of our life. Our purpose and our meaning can only be found in our Creator. It can only be found in the One who created us. We can't find that purpose anywhere else. We can't find that purpose in any other faith, in any other religion, in any other belief system. But in the Christian faith, because God values us, each and every single one of us, because God values us, because God created us in His image, He reveals to us, He reveals to us what this purpose is. He reveals to us why He created us. And He brings this purpose to us. And that purpose is to glorify Him in all that we do, to live for Him, to seek Him, to seek Him out, to know Him intimately, to live for Him, and to glorify Him all things that we do. And so when you find something, when you find something in life that's worth living for, but more importantly, when you find something in life that's worth dying for, I want you to understand that you must expect that there will be suffering. You must expect that there will be sacrifices to be made. You must expect that there will be hardship. You must expect that there will be persecution and mockery. I know here in Western Christianity, we're often taught we're often taught that when you come to the Christian faith, that's going to, that everything's going to be all right. We're often taught that when you come to the Christian faith, it's supposed to make you rich, supposed to make you prosperous. I've heard these messages over and over and over again. I know that many times in our modern Christianity, we're often taught these things, that, <clears throat> that when we come to the Christian faith, that, that it will rid us of all of our problems. However... However, that's not true. That is not true. I would love to be able to tell you that. I would love to be able to come to you and say, come to, to Christianity, come to Jesus Christ, and you will be rich and you will have all the things that you want. You have beautiful homes, beautiful, you know, beautiful cars, expensive cars. You, you, you will have a beautiful wife, you know, a good-looking husband. I, I want to be able to tell you all these things. 
But that's not always true. The Christian faith can be the hardest thing that you, you, that you do in your life. It can be the hardest thing, the most difficult thing that you do in your life. Sometimes we believe this. We believe that as long as we do good, then we will be loved by others. As long as we do good, then people will like us. But we have to remember this, that Jesus Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself was perfect. He did good in all things that he, he, he did. There was absolutely no sin in our Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened to him? He ended up nailed to the cross. And so this Christian life is not something that's going to be easy for us. It's hard. It's difficult. Many times it's against our own nature. It's a calling for us to, to deny ourselves. To de deny, many times, to deny the desires of our own hearts. To deny the desires of our own, of our own nature. And so the Christian faith is not easy. And I want to prepare you for that. I want to be honest with you about that. Jesus Christ says in John, John chapter 15 verse 20, He says that if they persecute me, you see, if they persecute me, in which they did, they did persecute Jesus Christ. He said if they persecute me, they will persecute you also. And so the calling to Christ is the calling to suffering. It is a calling for us to carry our cross. And that's what it means when Jesus Christ says to carry our cross. To carry our cross, cross when he calls us. It is a call to suffer with our Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is because we live in a fallen world in which darkness hates the light. In John chapter 3 verse 20, Jesus says, Everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And you see, Jesus Christ, he is that light. And when you follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, when you follow in the footsteps of Stephen, when you follow in the footsteps of Peter, when you follow in the footsteps of Paul, you are that light. You are in that light. And those who does evil, those who don't believe in Christ, many of those, they do not like the light. They are against the light. Because the light exposes their deeds. And so they will look to, to persecute that light. And like I said, I, I wish so much that I can tell you that in the Christian faith that there will be no more problems. That there will be no more sufferings. That there will be no more challenges. That, God's gonna, that God is going to take care of it all for you. I wish so much that I can tell you that. But I will not be preparing you for the truth. I will not be preparing you for the truth of the Christian faith. Our, the, the apostles all died. Were all murdered for their faith. Christians throughout the years were always persecuted for their faith. We still see nowadays, we still see nowadays parents disowning their children when their children come to the faith. Happens in many cultures. Happens in many countries. We see children disowning their parents 
when their parents come to the faith. If we pay attention to the world around us, if we pay attention to other countries, we see all these governments destroying churches throughout the world. We see Stephen being stoned here in the scripture. We see how anti-Christian our society here in America has is becoming here in the last 50 to 60 years. You know, many times when we look at things from simply a secular standpoint, we will look back through our history and we will say, you know what, the church for a thousand years was very corrupted. And it was. For a thousand years, the church in Western society was very corrupted. From about the time of, you know, 500 to about the year 1500. Yeah. We know that. We, we see that throughout history. We all know that. But the question we must ask is we must, we must not only ask what happened, but we must take it a step further to ask the question, why did it happen? Why did the church become so corrupted for those 1,000 years? And when we look at it simply from a secular academia viewpoint, there's really no difference between the church of then, of back then and the church of now. They group everything together. But when, when, when we look at it from a theological and from a Christian perspective, we see the why. We see the reason why the church was so corrupted for those years. It wasn't because the church was corrupted, but it was because there were men at that time who took the church and used it for political reasons. It was because there were greedy men who corrupted the church. And what did they do? They hid the word of God so they can obtain power for themselves through the church. When the word of God was hidden, was the, when the word of God was taken away from the people, the church became corrupted. And it is only up to the point, up to the point in which the word of God was opened again, was brought back to the people during the Reformation, that the church, that the true church was reborn. It was, re the, the true church experienced the rebirth. It rose again. All because they returned back to the word of God. All because they were open, able to open up the word of God once again. It is no coincidence. It is no coincidence that in 1498, around that time, the printing press was invented. And then a few years later, a couple of decades later, the Reformation started. Because the scripture is now open to the people. The scripture is now open to everybody. Back in those old days, if if somebody you know, if somebody was to read the scripture, if you you're, if you're just a, a regular person, you to go and read the scriptures, you'd be stoned to death. You'd be persecuted by the church because the church became corrupted because they were hiding the scriptures, they were hiding the word of God, and it is 
only in the Word of God. It is only in returning back to the Word of God that the church, that the true church, was reborn. And yet today in our society, what are we trying to do? The, the scriptures that save our civilization. The scripture that saved Western civilization. That we turn back to. To reform the church. To bring the church back to its roots. What are we, what are we doing today? We're saying we want to throw the scriptures out. We want to cut up the scriptures in bits and pieces. And only adhere to things that are politically convenient for us. We only want to adhere to things that we that that we are comfortable with. And the, everything else we want to throw the scripture away. We want to get rid of the scriptures. Because oftentimes we believe we believe that we've become too sophisticated as a people. I remember going to the annual conference last year, being in a small group. One of the gentlemen came up to me and he spoke with me and he says, Pastor, I have a master's degree in marriage counseling. If I was to go to a church, if I was to go to a church that teaches about the biblical view of marriage, that uses the Bible to teach about marriage, I would not go to that church because the Bible is wrong. I know more. And that's what we have become as a society. That's what Western Christianity has become. We, have, we believe that we have become smarter than God. We believe that we have progressed to the point in which we are more sophisticated than God. And we look around and our churches are dying. We look around and our churches are dying. And so there is going to come a point in time in which sooner or later we are going to have to make a choice. We are going to have to make a choice. Do we stand with the world or do we stand with the church? Do we stand with the world or do we stand with Jesus Christ? Do we stand with the philosophy and teachings of the world? Or do we stand with the word of God? You and I, we aren't going to have to make that choice when the difficult times come. And it, they are coming. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. There will come times of difficulty. And we are living in in these last days we are living in the last age and times of difficulties are going to come our way and we are going to have to make that decision whether you are a pastor whether you are a christian in the church whether you are a local church you are going to have to make that decision each and every single person individually is going to have to make that decision are you going to stand with the world or are you going to stand with the word that became flesh? Are you going to remain faithful? Are you going to remain faithful through difficult times? 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 to verse 13, he says that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So you see, it is not about just standing with God today and then turning your back on God tomorrow that's going to that's going to save you. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is that we must stand firm with God until the very end for us to be saved. We must stand with God till the very end. And he says the wickedness, the, the, the wickedness is going to increase. That this world is going to continue to progress towards wickedness. We're going to go further and further and further and further away from the teachings of God. We're going to go further and further and further away from the teachings of Jesus Christ. To fulfill our own ideas, to fulfill our own philosophies, to fulfill our own desires. We're going to turn this Christian faith into something that glorifies God, to something that fulfills the desires of men. We're going to use love. We're going to use love as an ex and, and the power of the Holy Spirit as an excuse for us to justify many things that God speaks against. And these times are coming. And when they come, the love of many will grow cold. And we will start deserting the faith. We will start walking away from the faith. Many people are going to start walking away from the faith. And so when we look at our churches, and when we see that people are no longer coming to church, that people, that our churches are dying, it's not something that God did not foreknew. Jesus Christ talks about these things. But who is it, who is it that's going to be willing to stand firm with God till the end? It is only that person who will be saved. It is only that person that will be saved. The ones that turn, turn away from God. They will not be saved. You know, it's easy. It's easy to get distracted when, 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 during times of difficulties. It's easy to get distracted when you're going through sufferings, when you're, you're having to make difficult choices. It's easy to get distracted. But the Word of God teaches us, Jesus himself says, we must stand firm until the end. And when we look at Stephen here in this, these scriptures, we realize that that's what Stephen did. That's what Stephen did when the rocks started flying at him. When the rocks started flying at him, Stephen did not say, you know what, God, now that it's difficult, I'm going to turn back and, and you know, I'm not going to preach your word anymore. I'm going to set your word aside because now it's too difficult. I don't want this anymore. But the scripture teaches us that when the rocks started flying, when the persecution came to Stephen, it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, that Stephen was still filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit in us, brothers and sisters. Because you and I, we have absolutely no ability to do this. We are weak, weak. We are a weak people. There is no strength in us. The only strength that we have in us is the strength that comes from God, that comes from the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, all we will do is we will turn back to sin. We will turn back to the old ways. And many times we, 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 we get confused with this gospel and the good things that we do, and we attribute that to us. 
but there is absolutely nothing good in us. We have to understand that, that the only thing that is good in us comes from God, and He is the one that's doing these things. He is the one that gives us the strength to go through these times. And if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is not within us, then when times of difficulty comes, when times of suffering comes, when times that Stephen, the things that Stephen experienced, when things like that come, we're going to easily fall. We're going to easily turn our backs on God. But if we're full of the Holy Spirit, even as rocks are flying at our heads, even when rocks are flying at our bodies, we would do what Stephen does. And it says that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, you see. That we will be able to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We will continue, we'll be able to look up into heaven. And when, when Stephen looked up into heaven, this is what it says. He saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And so he saw Jesus Christ. He saw that God was in his presence even as he, were, he was going through the suffering, this pain that he was experiencing. And that's where God is. That's where God is. He is with us as we're going through these times. As long, But we just have to continue to keep our eyes upon him. If we don't keep our eyes upon him, we won't see him there with us. We won't see his presence with us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 2, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, perseverance, meaning go, you must run till the end. You must run till the end. You don't run for a while and then you quit and turn your backs. You don't run for a while until it gets difficult and then you turn around. But running with perseverance means you run the race all the way till the end. That you finish the race. And you finish that race by fixing your eyes upon Jesus Christ. That's our only hope to finish this race. The minute we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, the minute we take our eyes off of heaven, and we look at ourselves, and we look at our own desires, and we look at the world, and we look at, at what's politically correct, and we look at what's, what, what, what society wants, when we, keep, when we take our eyes off, off of God, we will not finish this race. It is only when we keep our eyes upon Him. It is only when we keep our eyes upon Him that we'll be able to finish this race. The minute you take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, the minute you take your eyes off of heavenly things, and you set your eyes upon the world, you will fall behind. You will fall back. You will fall back. And so we must continue to stand faithful. We must continue to remain faithful by keeping our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ. And we must understand that our suffering is never done in vain. That God will be glorified through our sufferings. Through our sufferings, people will come to know Jesus Christ. Through our suffering, the gospel will, will, be, will be known. We see this in the life of Stephen. That upon his death, it says in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, it says upon his death, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
And then what does it say? It goes on and says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, you see. So even the suffering and death of Stephen was used to glorify God. Even in the death of Stephen, it was used to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. To spread the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like I said, in the story of, of Stephen, in the story of Stephen, we are introduced to the Apostle Paul as a young man. And at the time, his name was called Saul. And at the time, he was in favor. He was in favor of stoning Stephen. At the time, he was helping out. He was helping out the Jewish leaders in persecuting Christians at that time. Paul was a murderer. He murdered Christians. He persecuted Christians before he came to the faith. But he saw, but he saw Stephen on that very day when Stephen was being stoned to death. I believe that left an impression on him. And eventually, Jesus Christ called Paul. Jesus Christ called Paul. And Paul became the first missionary. He became the missionary. He became the apostle to the Gentiles. And that's how you and I, we are here today. Because of that. And so through the sufferings of Stephen, because he remained faithful, and he was faithful, Many came to know Jesus Christ. And I'm sure we all have stories of our own journey. I'm sure we all have stories of our own struggles with the faith. I'm sure we all have stories of our own struggles in life. I always share my story about my struggles. But I realize as I look back in my life that it was through my suffering, it was through my pain, it was through my struggles that I came to know God. It was through these things that I came to serve God. Because if I never went through those sufferings in my life, if I never lived in poverty in my life, if I never struggled in my life, there would have been no reason for me to come to God. There would be no reason for me to serve God. But God allowed that to happen to me. God allowed me to go through that suffering knowing that it will bring me to the faith. Knowing that it will bring me to serve God. And so our suffering is never in vain. The troubles that we go through are never in vain. So there is no reason for us. There is no reason for us to turn back on our faith. There is no reason for us to let our faith go. There is no reason for us to deny our Lord Jesus Christ, for us to turn away from His Word. There is absolutely no reason at all. Even if it's not the popular thing to do, we realize one thing, that, as long as, that, 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 that if we stand with God, we stand with God, that He will use all these things as a way to bless us in our own lives. We sang the song, I have decided to follow Jesus Christ today. I don't know if you guys know the story behind this hymn. 
maybe some of you know the story already. Maybe some of you haven't heard the story. I want to share this, this, the story behind it, this hymn with all of you. It is an East Indian hymn. About 200 to 250 years ago, there was a revival that took place in Wales, England. And so many people, many Christians who came to the faith at that time, they felt a calling to become missionaries and to go out into the mission field. And so some of them, they chose to go out to go to North India to preach the gospel among the tribes in that area. And these tribes were difficult tribes to preach the gospel to because they were known, these tribes were known as headhunters. And the reason why they were known as headhunters was because they were famous. They were famous for cutting off the head of their enemies and just hanging these heads in their villages, in their house, on their walls as souvenirs. And so this was an extremely, place, uh, extremely dangerous place for these missionaries to go to. But because they felt the calling from God and because they heard the calling from God, they chose to go anyways. And finally, as they were preaching the word of God, as they were spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they found one family that was able to, uh, that was willing to come to Jesus Christ, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So they were able to bring this one family to the Christian faith. And this family was able to go out and influence others within the tribe to come to the Christian faith. And so because of that, the chief of the tribe became very, very angry. And he arrested this family. He arrested this family. He brought this family before him. And he called the whole, entire village, the entire tribe to come, to gather around, to watch what he was going to do to this family. And as everybody came together, as everybody gathered together, the chief of the tribe asked this, the, the father or the husband of this family. And he said to to the man, he said to him, you are, you are to deny Jesus Christ today. If you don't deny Jesus Christ, the first thing that I am going to do is I am going to kill your children. I'm going to order the execution of your children. This father at the time, he has not been in the faith very long. He has not been a Christian very long. So he didn't know much about the scripture. But one thing he remembered, and one thing he knew was this, that we are not to deny Jesus Christ. We are not to deny Christ before others. And because he remembered this Bible verse, his answer to the chief was this. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. There is no turning back. And upon hearing this, the chief ordered the execution of his children. The chief ordered that this man's children be executed in front of him. And they were. They were killed and executed in front of him. And as he saw the bodies of his children on the ground laying there. Dead. The chief went back to him once again. And the chief said to him, deny Christ. You are to deny Christ at this moment or we will kill your wife I will order your wife to be killed and this new Christian this man he thought about it and this is what he said 
He said, though none go with me, I still will follow. And upon hearing that, the chief ordered the execution of this man's wife. And so as he, as, as this man, this, this young new Christian stood there watching his wife being executed, watching his children being executed, watching their dead bodies there, the chief came back to him and he said, I give you one last chance. I give you one last chance. If you deny Jesus Christ, I will let you go. I have already killed your children. I have already killed your wife. I give you one last chance. If you want to live, deny Christ. If you don't deny Christ, I will order that you be executed on this day. And a man's answer, he answered by saying, the world is now behind me. The cross is now before me. And so the chief, furious because of his answer, the chief ordered the execution of this Christian. And the whole entire family died on that day. But the chief, after executing them, and as, and as he stood watch, looking over these dead bodies of this family before him, something hit him. Something came to him. And he realized one thing he realized as he was standing over those dead bodies, he realized that through the faith of this man, that this God must be real. Because if this God was not real, why would this man be willing to die for his faith? And so the chief realized that. He realized that and he noticed that. That God must be real. That this God here must be real. Up to the point that this family is willing to give up their life for this God. And so this chief got on his knees and he wept. And he repented. And he accepted Jesus Christ into his life. And he took the gospel to all the families of his tribe. And they also all became Christians. All because this family was willing to sacrifice themselves. They were willing to suffer for their faith. You see, just as Stephen's death brought the gospel to many, this family's death also brought the gospel to many. And so from these stories, I hope that as Christians we will learn that we are to live and die for our purpose in God. We're not to be afraid for Jesus Christ has already overcome the world. And so when we understand our, our life, the meaning of our life, when we understand our duty, our calling, that we must live for it. We must live it out no matter how difficult it may be. And as the difficult times come before us, we must remember that we are to remain faithful. As the rock starts to fly at us, we must remember that we are to stand firm and stand faithful for our God. And we do that by fixing our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ. We must remember that our troubles are not in vain. Our troubles and our sufferings are never in vain. God is there with us. 
and who will bless many nations and many people through the things that we go through. The Christian faith throughout history has spread through the blood, through the sweat and blood of many Christians, of many men and women before us, through the persecution of many men and women before us. And so as we look at the life of Stephen, as we look at this family here in India, we also come to realize that this is how our soldiers, this is how our men and women of the military, this is how they lived out their life. They lived out their lives because they knew what their purpose was. They knew what their duty was. They knew what their calling was. And they were willing to live and die for that purpose. They were willing to live and die for that calling, for that duty. And they remained faithful. They remained faithful when they stood firm through the toughest times. Even as they go out into, to, into war and the bullets were flying at them, they did not turn back. They continued to go forward because they knew that was their calling. Even as the time became the times become difficult for them, they continue to forge forward because they knew that was their purpose. That's they did all of that in order to provide us the freedom that we have today. And so their death, the loss of their lives out there in all those war zones, the loss of their lives is not something that was done in vain. It became a blessing for us. It provided freedom for us. And today we're able to do the things that we do because of men and women like, like these. Because of men and women like Stephen. Because of men and women like this family in India. Because of the bravery and the courage of men and women. Like those who served in our military. And so I hope, I hope, and I encourage all of us to follow in their footsteps. Let us pray. God, today we remember our men and women of tremendous courage, those who went before us, those who suffered those who went through the pain, and ultimately, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice by giving up their lives for us. They knew what their purpose was. They understood their calling. Yet they went willingly into the battlefields on our behalf. When the bullets were flying, they remained faithful. When the times became tough, they remained faithful. In the end, they were willing to die. They were willing to die for all of us. And so we are forever in debt for them. We pray for their souls at this moment. We remember them for their bravery. We remember them for their services. We are in gratitude for men and women like Stephen and like this family in India who walked the faith before we did and they are willing to live out their faith even in the most toughest of time, 
even in the most difficult of times. We can only hope that we'll be able to do the same thing. We can only hope that. But we know we are a weak people. We have no strength. We have no ability. All we can do is lay ourselves before the cross of your son, Jesus Christ. Humble ourselves before that cross and ask for mercy and grace. And we ask to be filled with your Holy Spirit in our lives. Please fill us up with the Holy Spirit. He is the one that's going to give us the strength to go through difficult times. He is the one that's going to be there to hold us. Without Him, we cannot even take the first step. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to, to fill us up. We ask for your Holy Spirit's presence to be in each and every single one of us. So on this day, we also ask for your blessings to be upon all the families of our fallen soldiers, of our fallen military forces, men and women. We ask for their blessings. And so as we close out this worship service, we ask that you be with all of us, protect us, keep us safe until we meet again. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord be with you. God bless.